All right, welcome to the second episode of our uh, brand new FanFT podcast. Today we're going to be playing a little game called Smoke or Fire. So basically how it works every offseason, during the, um, every NFL offseason, you hear tons of rumors and headlines and decide being able to decide what winds up being correct and what doesn't can make or break your fantasy team. That's how you find the key sleepers, and that's also how you draft some busts. So... Today we're going to play Smoke or Fire. Basically, we're going to go through a couple of pre, uh, a couple of headlines from the past few uh, past week or so. We're going to determine whether we think each headline is smoke or bullshit or it's fire, and we think it can definitely pay off. All right. So the first one that we got keyed up is uh, we've recently heard that Dak has been hinting at Pollard, Tony Pollard, getting a lot of targets this season. Pernay, what do you think, Smoke or Fire? I think it's decently decently fire you know I think Tony Pollard is definitely entering a position where you know I I think he has more upside than Zeke does frankly this year simply on a PPR standpoint non-PPR Zeke has the upside but I do think that Pollard has the ability you know I think he's proven it last year with his yards after catch he has the ability to definitely create that separation break off for an extremely long run and then put up some crazy fantasy points for you so I'm buying into it. The only concern, I guess, for me is the competition and targets around him. I'm not sure that he can truly lead a team in receiving, you know, in targets or receiving yards for that matter. You know, you still got CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz to feed. And then, you know, I'll obviously let you talk about your boy Jalen Tolbert. But, <laughs> you know, I, for, me it's, for me, it's fire with, with caution. Okay, I like that. I like that. You, you uh, definitely made some interesting points. I agree that Zeke is um, definitely a strong non-PPR target. Um, when it comes to Pollard, I'm going to lean more smoke for this. Um, CD is a strong slot player, has always has been. Um, so he should definitely play that role a good amount. Ezekiel Elliott's still there as a red zone threat, so touchdown upside could be a little limited or volatile. He'll probably need to break off some big, um, some big plays to make that happen. So I think we'll, I think with Pollard we might see a lot of week to week volatility. He's an incredible handcuff. Um, might be one of the best out there. If he, if Zeke goes down, for example, uh, Zeke misses a game, Pollard fill in automatic RB one. So um, pairing Zeke with Pollard might not be a bad idea just in case that happens. Um, but in the short term, I'm going to lead more smoke. I think they have a bunch of other targets. Schultz is going to take a lot of um, a lot of shorter targets. Uh, CD Lamb. It's going to eat into that target share as well. And Jalen, as you mentioned too, Jalen Tolbert uh, should be on the field a good amount. Um, reports out of camp have been stellar about him. So, um, yeah, I'm going to lead. I'm going to go uh, lead more smoke for Pollard. No, uh, back to your point real quick. If you have Pollard on your team and you don't happen to have Zeke on your team and Zeke goes down, you, you have league winning potential. Right yeah, there, absolutely. Absolutely. Zeke is, Zeke is getting up there in age too. So, like, that's not necessarily a like yeah what, but he has been 27 27 um, let me pull this up really quick actually uh he's he's getting out there what was he crap i mean he's fine repping right? the repping the fordham rams right now they got a big game coming up on thursday uh but uh other than that i'm a big ohio state fan so uh he was he was the boy for us when on that uh 2014 run and it's been a long time since then so uh no, yeah i mean i'm i'm a big I'm a big, I'm a big Zeke, Zeke, Zeke supporter myself. Uh, let me 
find his age really quick. He is 27 right now. He just turned 27 like last month. Um, so he's getting up there for sure. He's uh same age as guys like Eckler. Um, I mean, yeah, he's uh and he he did start to decline a little bit last year. Um, so I I wouldn't like I'm not gonna like. He's definitely someone that you should be cautious about. Um, but barring so, but barring a Zeke, a Zeke injury, I'm going to say Pollard is more of a smoke. I don't think he has that much standalone value. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, should we move on? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, another report that's come out recently is that Michael Carter is rumored to be the RB1 for the Jets right now. Um, I know a lot of fantasy heads have been really gassing up Breeze Hall, so that's definitely a, not a great sign for those guys. On the other hand, it could be in Hall's ADP could drop a bit, maybe make some value per day. What's your take on that, Smoke Fire? I'm calling Smoke on this because I think no matter what Breeze Hall's trajectory into the NFL, he always had to deal with Michael Carter. You know, anybody who thought he wouldn't have to deal with Michael Carter is, was kind of kidding themselves in the past, you know, a couple of weeks, months ago, wherever wherever Brees Hall was in the top of the fourth round. That, that's silly. You know, the, this is a rookie running back who no matter what has to deal with the running back that was incredibly productive towards the end of last season. You know, given that Michael Carter was playing so well as a Jets coach, I personally wouldn't want to just throw Hall into the fire and then just, if he happens to fail, then put Michael Carter back in and have him build up his reps again. No, I'd rather have Michael Carter start, have Brees Hall ease his way in, you know, maybe Five, ten carries a game, ease his way. And once he's proven his breakout ability, his ability to break out on a, a given run, maybe he breaks off for a 60-yard touchdown or something like that. As soon as that happens, I'd say you flip the script and Brees Hall is going to shift towards that number one role. Michael Carter is going to shift towards that number two. And for that reason, I'm calling smoke on Michael Carter being a number one running back. I don't think that's going to hold out throughout the season. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, you made some good points. Um, if you're, if you're, if anyone who's listening is with what Pernay said, could be a good time to grab Hall. Uh, I think it's actually kind of a similar situation to how Jonathan Taylor started out. Uh, he wasn't the starter his first season, but everyone knew he had like a massive talent. However, the Jets are not the Colts. I um I'm going fire on this. Um, I think Michael Carter could be a good bargain to start the year. He looked great last year. I was surprised the Jets even wanted to take Brees Hall this year. Um, I think that's more of a knock on Tevin Coleman than Mike, Michael Carter. Um, for that reason, I think Car um, Carter can hold some value even throughout the season. Um, especially with how cheap he's coming right now. I'm not like even if Hall starts to pick up more work throughout the season, which will probably happen. Uh, I'm still not sold. It'll be enough to make him like a f- to like warrant his current cost, which has like been pretty high lately. He's been like a top fifty pick lately at minimum. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think I'm at this point. I'm staying away from Brees Hall. Um, I'm definitely going to consider Michael Carter at his ADP, uh, especially especially as especially if you're a zero RB player. Um, Michael Carter p- could be a great pickup at late in your draft. Uh, you could probably plug him in pretty pretty easily week one and, you know, just ride it out until Hall starts taking more targets. And hopefully at that point you can pick up somebody else too. Uh, yeah. I'd, so say yeah. a comparable, I'd say a comparable committee backfield that I give as a, as a parallel or analogy to this is I'd say that Brees Hall is with this. I'd feel like Brees Hall oh, is Williams to Michael Carter's Melvin Gordon. I think start coming out the gate of Javante Williams rookie season, 
we saw an equal split in touches, 50-50. If anything, Melvin Gordon was favored yeah. towards the beginning of the season. Javante was favored towards the end. So I think at the beginning, you can see a similar deal where Michael Carter is slightly favored over Brees Hall. Maybe later towards the season, Brees Hall becomes favored. No matter what, Michael Carter still holds that pass-catching back ability, which will draw away from Brees Hall's ceiling as a PPR running back. So no matter what, I don't see either of them as having running back one upside. I see both of yeah. them as being max high-end running back twos. Max, absolute max. I thought you were going to go Jags there, honestly. Um, no. Compare them to the Jags. Uh, but yeah, for sure that. I actually do like that analogy a lot. Right. Uh, Javante, and Javante should be pieces here too, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I think actually, you know, I, I guess another headline that I've been hearing too is that uh, Melvin Gordon pretty much acknowledge that he's only there to help Javante right now. What do you think about that? I'm calling smoke on that. I, I think where the report came from is that um, Javante Williams is obviously going to be the guy in Denver. There, there's no yeah. question about that. He is going to be the guy. Melvin Gordon knows that and acknowledges that. And I think that's exactly what happened during that presser where he said exactly what he said about Javante being the guy. I think that that could happen this season just as Javante began to become more favored by the Denver coaching staff. I think that can definitely happen more and more this season. Nevertheless, I think a lot of people have Javante as having top elite upside, you know, running back one, running back two upside on the season, yeah. which is for me a little bit hard to digest. And I, I'm going to call smoke on this because I think no matter what you have an you have running back 1B to Javante Williams, 1A, and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I uh, those are some good points, too, actually. Um, I, I, I'm going to go – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fire on this, honestly. Um, Interesting. Javante – J- yeah, Javante, here, let me pull up uh, – let me pull up some of his, like, later – down the stretch, he was really starting to become the guy. You kind of started to see it. That was with, like, Drew Locke, quarterback – um, I don't think the offense quality necessarily matters too much generally, but like, it just even still having Russell Wilson as like your quarterback is a big step up from like Drew Locke. And I mean, as as long as the trend continues, where Javante continually, um, honestly, you know what though? Now that I got it pulled up, I mean, down this like later, there was like a few games. I think I remember exact. I think those are the exact games. I'm not positive. Um. You can fact check me on this, but weeks 12, 13, and 14 were, like, his, like, biggest weeks last year. Like, 18, 26, 20. Um, I, those could have been the weeks where Melvin Gordon was hurt. But, like, his last – then, like, the last three games of the season, he was back to, like, seven carries, 14 carries, 12 carries. I'm still going to stick with fire on this, though, honestly. Like, he should be – he's in year two now. Melvin Gordon's getting older. Um, I don't think – I think – I do think that fantasy players are over a bit over a tad bit overly optimistic on Javante, um, but I, I still like, I still think he's a very good fantasy player to have. I think he's a low end RB one or very very high end RB two. Yep. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like I wouldn't put him over some other guys out there um, that like might be going a little bit behind him right now. Um, but I think he's like I think he's like still in that like. Very, I think he's like, I think he's one of the. So, you know how, like, in, um, you know how in drafts, like, 
around like in like the mid twenties, like there's like the last good running back, and there's like a massive drop off. I think he's, he's like the last. He's that last guy there. Yeah, um, that, yeah I, I think he's. I think he's that last guy for me. I was just going to ask you about what you thought of a running back one two spots above him. I think that segues well into our next fire smoke, which is. Aaron Jones, and more specifically, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as a 1A and 1A. Is that fire or smoke, Peskin, in your eyes? I'm going to go fire in this, honestly. Um, so there's a huge hole in Green Bay. Devontae Adams is gone. We all know that. There's Aaron Jones is his most reliable remaining target. Not a great sign for the Packers at all. Um, but they still have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, so their offense – they should be fine. If anything, like, if they they can have both those guys on the field at the same time. And that's a bad man under center. That's a bad man under center. Um, I like. I, I still want to see it. I think earlier in the offseason, season, it's still a concern I have is that like I, I am concerned that Aaron AJ Dillon is going to take like too many carries away from Aaron Jones to warrant a top. Like first, second round, like a second round pick. Um, I think it's a pretty similar situation to the Broncos, honestly. But I think the difference is, I think the difference is like Aaron Jones has like shown, like he's caught like four touchdowns and like passes in a game before, and like Roger, there's nobody else on that team who has that who's had that same kind of success catching the ball from Aaron Rodgers right now. I mean, the yeah. only one is like the corpse of Randall Cobb. Yeah. So like no, absolutely. I think yeah. I think there's definitely room on this offense for both of them to succeed. Um, AJ Dillon's he was starting to pick up down the stretch too, and I think he'll even he'll contribute more in the passing game as well. So I think I think one A and one A, I think that could definitely work out. AJ Dillon right now is looking like a great uh, great cop uh, later on in the drafts. Yeah, and I think you you brought up a very incredibly valid point that Green Bay and Denver very similar in backfield committee, and I think the. The bridge between that is Nathaniel Hackett for Denver, especially, right? Nathaniel Hackett moving from being offensive coordinator to Green Bay to Denver. He said strictly, he imagines that Devontae Williams and Melvin Gordon are going to be like how Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were in 2021. So I think that that's incredibly valid. Only thing that I wonder when it comes to Green Bay is, well, now that Green Bay has promoted their offensive line coach to be their offensive coordinator, who has come out publicly and said that he's a fan of Aaron Jones. Is there any chance that that committee backfield gets a little bit outweighed and Aaron Jones becomes the true running back one to A.J. Dillon's running back two? I mean, there's obviously a chance, but, like, I think we started to see it last year. I don't, like, I don't know why they would, like, reverse that trend. Because, like, A.J. Dillon was really starting to, like, eat into his carries last year. Um, if he didn't, Aaron Jones would be, like, a, he would be – Probably in that conversation for like top three pick, top uh, hands down. He would he hands. would be in that he would be in that, he would honestly I would strongly consider him take, taking him like if you easily take AJ, top three. AJ Dillon out of the mix, I'm taking Aaron. Jones if you take second. AJ Dillon out of the mix, yeah, I'm taking him second overall too. I think honestly, I would, I know you'd go JT than Aaron Jones, but I'd probably go CMC than Aaron Jones. Um, <laughs> but he's still there. Uh, Devontae Adams being gone, I think that helps the both of them for sh- in a big way. Yep. Um, I, we're, we've spoken about the passing game, but also on the ground game, they'll probably rely on the ground a bit more too, especially down in the red zone. Um, yep. 
So I don't think it's unreasonable to expect them to both be able to kind of like a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt situation a little bit. I think that's probably I think that might be the best comparison, honestly, like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But like even though, more, still, if we talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, are either of them truly, truly worth it from a fantasy perspective? I like Kareem Hunt where he's going right now a lot. I uh, he's going I, around the same spot as AJ Dillon. He's going around the same spot as AJ Dillon. So like between the two of them. I probably favorite Dylan a little bit. Um, probably favorite Dylan. Just a little bit. Um, but Kareem Hunt, he's got he has he has a he has a, he's probably one of the um, one of the one he probably has like some of the most like standalone value out of any one B running back in the league. Yep. Um, aside I mean, aside from maybe AJ Dillon, Kansas City in twenty seventeen. Yeah, no, he was. He, there's no denying his talent at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, another thing that I actually really like about Kareem Hunt is that, like, Jacoby Brissett, I think, like, he was targeting running backs in Miami at, like, a much higher rate than Tua was. 100%. Yeah, so um, that actually, you know what, that's actually a pretty good segue to another one. Um, hearing that Chase Edmonds is going to be the RB1 in Miami, um, which um, could make him a good value in drafts. What are, you, what are you going there? I'm calling fire on this one. I'm calling fire on this one. Yeah, as much as I like Sonny Michelle and Raheem Mostert, the point in acquiring those guys in the offseason was just to back up the running back one. You know, yeah. Miami wants at no cost for their backfield to be depleted. And so that's why they stuck they stocked up on all those running backs, right? Nevertheless, in the offseason that's been going on, Chase Edmonds has been thriving. He has been popping off left and right. He has been turning heads, opening up eyes, and I think that he's just locked in at that spot, you know. Fordham boy, there we go. Fordham boy, he's a Fordham boy. Um, yes, sir. But um, to follow that up, I'll also call fire on that. Um, Miami, Miami's weird, man. They just collected like every used up running back in the league, like Chase Edmonds, um, Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, yep. and they still have Miles Gaskin on that team too. So they're like a running back like, wasteland Gaskin. right now. Still, Miles. I feel bad for that guy because, like, he's, he, kinda, <laughs> he performed. He's he was pretty good, dude. He's worked so hard. He does. He not was pretty good. He did not deserve that shoot. I know. I know. That being said, I am concerned that, like, I love. I think Mike McDaniel's an incredible coach. Um. So I I trust him to use Chase Edmonds well. I think Chase Edmonds will be start the season as the guy. Whether he continues that way throughout the rest of the season, TBD. Also, Raheem Moster, I don't think he can be under. Like he's he's like when he if he can stay healthy, his problem has been his injuries. But like he's one of the fastest guys in the league. He's when he's he's one of the best pure rushers. He destroyed Green Bay in that playoff game, and he's he's shown so much explosiveness that like I'm sure Mike McDaniel is going to want to use that in some fashion. Um, that being said, is. Injuries are a problem. Chase Edmonds is a more reliable number one guy. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, I'll stick with a fire there. And as we just talked about, as we, also as we just talked about, um, Tua doesn't check down with the running backs too much. And Tyreek Hill also could even, or can also be used as a running back like he did with Debo and San Fran. Um, so I'll call, I'll, so I have Chase Edmonds is probably like, he's a good value right now. Um, He's definitely been climbing up my ranks. I posted him at like number ninety in, in my rankings, but uh, I think he's cl- I think he's climbed up since then. I think so, he's climbed. But, yeah, so well, I'll man. have him as like a I'll have him as like a middle RB two right now. 
Yeah, I, I would say that's a fair projection. I think, you know, while while we're both fire on him, I'd say there's obvious room for concern. What Chase yeah, Edmonds, absolutely. You know, he definitely doesn't have – I'm not too sure that he will have the opportunities that he had in Arizona. You know, also having Kyler Murray tossing you the ball on checkdowns is going to be very helpful. But I feel like when it comes to the short passing game, Tua and Jalen Waddle are specialists in that zone. So – even from a target perspective, even if Chase Edmonds is a passing back, his target share will probably be cut into a little bit from what it was in Arizona, and you may not see the Chase Edmonds that you saw entirely from that. And all that being said, he now has goal line opportunities that James Conner is not taking away from him anymore. And I think yeah. given that, once you pair a PPR-friendly running back with some touchdowns, all of a sudden you have a great running back at hand. So there are pros and cons to it for sure. That's actually an excellent point. Connor's gone and like, could they use somebody else in the goal in like the red zone area? Sure. Um, there's not like, they don't have like that kind of a player though anymore. Um, and what was I just going to say? Um, like Chase Edmonds, he reminds me, you know what? He can, like, I feel like he can return a similar value to, like, Elijah Mitchell from last year. Like, maybe not a ton of work in the receiving game this year, but um, he'll, he can be, like, the guy on the ground. He definitely contributes some strong weeks um, when they're needed, maybe. So he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on as, like, a, as, like, a, as, like, a pretty good running, as, like, a decent running, as, like, his mid range more RB2. So, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I definitely agree with that. Now, all that being said, right, but let's shift gears over. Let's use that as a good transition over to another potential RB2, but one that comes with a lot of complications with the offense that he's operating in and the first running back that he has to deal with, and that's Brian Robinson because we, we've looked at Antonio Gibson, given him chance after chance over the course of the years. Is this the year to finally close the book on Antonio Gibson and move on to Brian Robinson? Um, hey, you know what? Uh, we've, we've been really talking about a lot of committees today, haven't we? Uh, this one's a little – we've day? been – this is a committee day. Uh, this, is, this one's a little different, though, because this one's a little more, like, zero-sum than, like, some of the – like, all the other ones we've spoke, really spoken about, they've been, like – both RBs can really eat. I think in this situation, either both of them eat or neither one eats. Um, there could, there is a poss- I think there is a possibility for a three-headed committee there, but like overall, I'm going to call fire on Brian Robinson taking over the job. Antonio Gibson's like, I mean, I feel like the co- like he, the coaches, coaches have wheeled him out first in the last preseason game. They've been like, there are rumors about like Antonio Gibson playing a lot of special teams, like kicking and punt returning. So like, that's not where you where you usually put yeah like that's a really weird spot for a guy that you supposedly want carrying the bulk of your early down work so like i think for sure i think i think brian roberts guy i'm staying away from gibson completely um brian robinson is a great flyer right now uh he has rb2 upside kind of like similar to what gibson's on the past what prevents him from being rb1 upside is jd mckissick but his role is pretty cemented in, so like you, you kind of know what your work get. You kind of know like what you're getting into with that backfield, at least from the McKissick standpoint. Um, yeah. So I'm personally, I'm personally going to call going to call a smoke on this, just because I 
I've never enjoyed the Washington backfield. I know it's not good Fair to enough. single out a team and be like, oh, I want to avoid that backfield at all costs. That's never a good strategy. But even if we look at Antonio Gibson's production, Antonio Gibson was a highly coveted running back at one point in time. You know, people yeah. thought he was going to be a breakout candidate. People thought he was going to be great. At the end of the day, the Washington commanders were not the team to support that man. And at the end of the day, I think not much has changed about that team. When you plug in Brian Robinson into the mix, the only thing Brian Robinson can do that Antonio Gibson has not been able to do in that offense that I can see is just hold on to the ball and not fall. You know? Sure. It's a pretty big thing, though. You get an extra two points, four points a game. Sure. Well, I understand that. Well, fantasy, I mean, Antonio Gibson was still a relevant, fair enough, but, like, Antonio Gibson, he was still a relevant fantasy running back for, like, He's not a league winning running back, though. He's not a league winning running back. I don't think... ...are two separate discussions. I don't necessarily think Brian Robinson's a league winning running back either, but, like, he could definitely be a big piece. He could definitely be a good piece to, like, any, like, competitive team that's maybe, like, that, like, needs that running back two value. Um, Definitely great great zero RB target. Um, And also, he's, like, he's also, like, he could... Great zero RB target. He could also, like... He can lower the like he can drop the hammer too. Like he's he's a, he's a he's a strong he's a tough runner to bring down. Like he's he he's got some he's got some high potential. Like he he kind of reminds me a little bit of Adrian Peterson. Um, like running style wise, running style wise. What? Oh oh. Yeah, that's by no means by no means does that mean he's going to come close to having the career that AP did. But like. In terms of just purely his running style, he he runs hard, man. He runs hard. No, I, I understand that. And honestly, I may just have to get over my my ego when it comes to the Washington Commanders because <laughs> I've been know, there too. Don't worry. It's just oh, and JD McKissick. Fair enough. Fair enough. And honestly, JD McKissick, I feel like every single year always goes undrafted, and then he always just like sneaks his way onto my fantasy roster like late in the year. Like I'm dealing with man, running yes. back problems, yeah, fair enough. But like, over oh, just in general, like I'm dealing with like running back problems. I need like an I need like an RB two fill in, like uh, for a guy who's like on a bye week. He just he's just there, and like he can give you like 10, 15 points when you need it. No, like, I absolutely. Understand it's not going to win you a league, but like he can he can provide some value at least. So that's another interesting case. Speaking about uh, possibly running you a league, though, let, let's talk about Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk. Let's talk about Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk. I'm calling straight fire on this. I am all in on Brandon Ayuk this year. Interesting. I'm going to draft him above ADP. I'm saying it ahead of time. I am drafting <laughs> this man above ADP. I will take him in the seventh round and in the sixth round. It doesn't matter to me. In 10-man, too. It doesn't matter to me. That Damn, man is going to be a bad man on the 49ers offense. Trey Lance is the guy. Hands down, no questions asked. He can deliver. Yes, I do anticipate that there will be some rookie mistakes, but I think a year of mentorship under Jimmy Garoppolo is going to help him a significant amount in reducing the amount of projected turnovers that he otherwise would have had. And just look at the preseason between Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk. Highlights left and right. It's just a walking, talking highlight reel. You know what? I, I haven't, I haven't seen too. Here, I'm actually gonna peep that a little bit. 
Did he play? Did, they, did Ayuk play last night, or was it just? I know Lance played a while last night. He didn't really do much, but like Lance I was, was more for eleven last the, night. I was more referring to the camp highlights as opposed to the preseason. The camp, got it, got it. I mean, it's right. like I either way, it's preseason. You can't like, like look too much into it. Um, yeah, I think I'll I'll go fire as well. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I think that Lance is going to be. I like Lance a lot this year, mostly because of his rushing upside. But he has the arm strength and the talent to um, – and a coaching situation. Coaching situation is always crucial. I mean, look what happened with Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. Wound up great coach. Wound up got to sit a year behind like a seasoned veteran. Um, and I'm not going to like – I'm definitely not going to go as far as to say it's the same exact thing and the same. it'll be the same exact result. But it's a similar situation in terms of um, a great – Great talent, having a great situation. Yeah. Um, so, and with all that being said, I would say I think both of us agree on this for the most part. But I definitely think it's worth noting that Debo Samuel should absolutely be faded a little bit in drafts based on his current ADP. ADP. Having him go high mid second round in ten person drafts is silly in my mind. I see obvious regression hitting his name. I don't see nearly as many eight rushing touchdowns. No, he'll he'll nah, hit, not three, or he'll hit three or four to get his extra six hundred and fifty k in bonus a year, and then he'll call it quits after that. But I, you cut his touchdowns in half rushing wise, and then you put oh, yeah, Brandon on sure. the receivers. I think those are two combinations that just are cause for disaster for Debo Samuel this year. Fair enough. I I'm not gonna like completely disagree with you there. Um, I, I I do think that like if Lance if Lance really hits, there is room for, um, there is room for mul- for both of them to succeed with um with Lance. However, yeah, the impact of his like rushing upside being gone, that can't be understated. Um, he's being yeah he's being drafted towards the seal towards like what we saw last year. Those are going to be really hard numbers to replicate. So I'm out on DB as a current. I'm not going to completely say he's like going to, I'm not going to say he's going to completely bust, but at his current ADP, I think it's a little too steep to warrant, um, to warrant like given expected drop production. I also think anybody who's looking at the Niners offense can't neglect Kyle Shanahan. Like you said, coaching is so important. So important. Kyle Shanahan doesn't give a flipping, flying, you know what about fantasy? No, honestly, you know what? Screw it, screw it. I'm, I'm going, I'm going all in here. Who am I? Who am I talking about when I say great coach gets to sit for a year behind a seasoned vet who's made some playoff runs? Um, coach has never won a Super Bowl before. You're talking um, about this right now. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Crazy like arm talent, crazy like upside. Um, but there's also, but also viewed as like a risky pick, considering like just he's, he's a bit of an unknown. What are you talking about? You think I'm talking about Trey Lance? Or is that Patrick? Or is that Patrick Mahomes? Or is that Patrick Mahomes? I'm not sure if you can make this. This feels a little bit like deja vu. You know, I'm going bold with it. I understand exactly what you mean, Patrick Mahomes. Sat behind Alex Smith for a year. He went back. He was viewed as kind of that project pick with the 10th overall pick when Kansas City traded up for him. And, yes, he came back, had crazy arm talent, you know, was able to make whatever play on the ball. And, yes, Trey Lance comes in with certain upside. It's not the same in my eyes. Yes, Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle to get there. Um, I, just, right. I think it's, it feels like deja vu. Like, 
does feel like deja vu. It feels like deja vu. From the Kansas City model, and thus far, it seems like they've executed that pretty well. It's just, can Trey Lance be the next Patrick Mahomes? Uh, That's yeah, it's it's, it's a bit of a stretch, but um, also, also both of them kind of like. In their first, like, in their rookie season, they both started, like, a game or two, and they both, like, put up, like, 17-ish fantasy points. And, like, you, you, you kind of get what I'm getting at. Like, they didn't, like, you could see that they needed the no. year to sit for a second, and then they kind of, like, so, um, yeah, I just, they, I, think, they, I think it's funny. I think the, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's, like, calling in the next Mahomes is a lot. It's definitely a lot to, uh, like, that would definitely be, a, like, a big, bold decision, a bold prediction. Um, but there are a lot of similar uh, factors in place that kind of like, like a lot of similarities that, between the two situations. I also think that Trey Lance's ability to produce on his feet is what's the distinguishing factor yeah. between him and Mahomes, right? If you had plugged yeah, and played, absolutely. if you had plugged and played Lamar Jackson into Pat Mahomes' situation, I'd come out right now and say Trey Lance is the spitting image of this. I'd come out right now. Oh, no, no, yes, come on, Trey. dude. No, Lamar's Lamar's rushing ability is unmatched from a quarterback. You see how many rushing touchdowns Trey Lance had coming out of North Dakota State? Did you see dude, how many touchdowns? Yeah, I, I'll pull up the stats for you right now. Have you seen Lamar's highlight reel, dude? I, I've seen his highlight reel. Everybody's seen his highlight reel. Like he's he's like from a rushing from a purely rushing standpoint, there's nothing like Lamar out there. Like. If anything, like I mean, there's a couple guys that are kind of like similar, I guess. But honestly, you know what the best comp might be? It might be like a Josh Allen. It might be like a Josh Allen comp. I'd say that's valid, but I don't see his throwing ability there quite yet. Oh, we even said the same thing about Josh Allen too. Like again, like this is still to wind up with a guy like Allen or Mahomes. You need absolutely everything to go right. Um, Trey Lance six four. Josh Allen's what like six six or something. Yep. Um. What's, what's I got pulled up right now? Six five. Yeah. Oh damn! I said the same birthday as Josh Allen. Interesting. Oh wow. It's just a little. I guess a little. Uh. Interesting. Um. Oh, they're both born in May too. Actually, <laughs> Trey Lance and Josh Allen. Uh, but both were both came out of like lower ended schools. Um. But yeah, Lance's upside as a whole. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Lance's upside as a whole, undeniable. Um. You still need everything to go right to really see it happen, but if it does, you might have a league winner in Ayuk. Yep, uh, I, I agree. I don't mean to, you know, hit the nail on the Trey Lance head too much, but I just just pulling up his stats from college, right? I you're looking at in his prime season when he in his breakout season, not his prime season, in 2019 when he came in as North Dakota State's quarterback, he completed. He had 28 touchdowns passing, all the while having 14 touchdowns rushing and 1,100 or 1,110 yards rushing. That yeah. is ridiculous from a rushing perspective. To keep in mind, that, though. Yeah, keep in mind, though, it is against FCS competition. Yeah, absolutely. There was no competition that he dealt with, but nevertheless, his ability to produce on the feet is yeah. undeniable. That's oh, why absolutely. The, why the Niners dropped him? They're running. Yeah, they use him in those. Yeah, they use him in those situations all the time last year too. And like, I don't, I don't anticipate that stop. Like, he's gonna get his from a fantasy perspective. Lance is a 
Um, I know he's like unproven as a passer, but like from a floor perspective, his rushing upside is like gives him that like very strong floor from a fantasy perspective. So like I'm I'm all in on Lance too. I mean, Ayuk is a little more like you need things to go right for Ayuk to really star as a fantasy player. Lance from a like a straight up football player perspective. It's it's funny because like Lance's the re- the inherent risk about Lance as a football player is winds up being the inherent risk about Ayuk as a fantasy player. Absolutely, absolutely. If um, you're right, yeah. if you're all in on Ayuk this year. You're all in on Trey Lance. I'm all in on both. So that's why yeah. I'm taking Ayuk above ADP. But if you have any questions about Trey Lance, maybe you should stay a little bit farther away from Ayuk. You know, from a football, from a fo- from a pure football perspective, yeah, Lance deserves questions. But like from a fantasy perspective, he's he's got a safe floor. He's gonna like he's gonna run a lot. Um, he's got the arm. He's got a coaching situation. So I've, I've I like Lance a lot. Um, speaking, of, ADP. speaking of quarterbacks who can come in and make an immediate impact on Week One, Daddy now, but let's close off with an interesting one that's honestly going to have some implications on who I take at running back tonight. <laughs> in about the the big question at hand is: Will Kenny Pickett be the starter Week One for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Brett Peskin, what do you? Week one, I'm gonna go smoke. I think he's doing. He looks like the real deal. Like, I there's no denying that. I honestly, he's blowing me away. Like, I liked him coming out of college. He's been blowing me away throughout the preseason. Um, he's looked like he's looked legit. He's looked like the most uh, highest upside player on that team. And if he's if he's like if he's as good as like he's he's looked so far, if he can keep that up until the regular season, the Steelers could be a scary team come December, come January. Um, but as it stands for week one, I don't, I don't, I, I think they'll roll. I think they'll probably start it out with Trubisky and like kind of see what happens there. Like just like, just to like let him kind of, I guess, adjust a little bit. And, you know, I, I just, I don't think he'll take over just yet. I don't think it'll be long before he takes over. And when he does, I like him a lot. But for now, I think they're going to sit with Trubisky. Yeah, I'd say I'd agree with that for the most part. This is the storyline that I've been following all off season because. I've always been curious about the implications to Najee's fantasy value this year, right? And so then yeah. in analyzing this, here, here's my give and take. I think my opinion is that Mike Tomlin signed Mitch Trubisky and drafted Kenny Pickett with the understanding beforehand that Trubisky was going to be the starter week one. Pickett was going to come in at a later point. And then he would declare an open QB battle to spike Mitch Trubisky's competitive edge and have him prove himself as the number one starter. That's what I thought Mike Tomlin's philosophy was going into this offseason. Now, after having seen preseason, I have a feeling that Mike Tomlin's probably thinking to himself in his office that he's put himself in a tough position because he has no idea what to do right now. And I think when he said, when he and the rest of the coaching staff said that this will be a decision that's made in the last preseason game, meaning this Sunday, I think that means that Kenny Pickett's chances as a week one starter hinge on his performance in this Sunday's preseason game. Yeah, I think because of that, it's very, very, very tough to say. I think if you're going to put all the QB's faith in in starting week one in his last preseason game, I'd probably feel more comfortable predicting that Trubisky is going to be the starter and I'd feel comfortable agreeing with you. That being said... Trubisky is going to be on a very, very, 
very short leash if he does. Yeah, very, very short if he does. Yeah, if I hear Trubisky that. goes one and two, if Trubisky even goes two and two and plays horribly, I think you're going to see Kenny Pickett starting week three, week four for the Steelers and taking it over for the rest of the season. Now, granted, all this could change if Trubisky's undefeated. I just know Trubisky. No, he's not going to be undefeated. Plain and simple. So here, how about this? Let's go through the uh, let's go through the Steelers. Um, I guess first couple of games and figure out. So when would you start Kenny Pickett? Because week one they're in Cincy, reigning Super Bowl. They just came off a Super Bowl appearance. They're still a good team. I mean, I know Super Bowl Super Bowl hangovers a thing, but like, do you, do you want to wheel out your for sure? Yeah, yeah. Do like do you really want to wheel out your like rookie quarterback on like a silver platter against a very good team like that? I don't know. Then they play the Patriots in week two. So. Bill Belichick coach defense. Does that do you really want him to do that? Like possibly destroy his confidence? Week three, they're in Cleveland against like Miles Garrett, and like that's another tough face that you don't really want to see. Week four, they're home versus the Jets. I feel like I feel like that's kind of the point where you're like, you know what, let's give this guy a fucking easy win. Let's like yeah, wheel him I'm, out. Yeah. Let's throw him out there. He's got this in the bag. While I, while I don't disagree, I think week four is kind of that ideal stance with the Jets. I feel like it's more so a factor of just pure play playoff chances, right? I think Mike Tomlin in his head doesn't care about when he's That's bringing true. In, you know, Pickett into the mix. Mike Tomlin, in Mike Tomlin's eyes, Kenny Pickett's ideally the franchise quarterback. Ideally that's true. Quarterback that's going to be playing 17 yep. games a season for the next seasons. So ideally, right? or not even ideally, in Mike Tomlin's eyes, I don't think he has an ideal timing for Kenny Pickett to take over. But I think in his eyes, what's more likely to happen than not, and obviously I'm not an NFL coach, so who am I to go about speculating? But I feel like what's more likely to happen than not is that so long as Trubisky gives Mike Tomlin the confidence inside that that he can lead this team to the playoffs, he will be the starting quarterback. As soon yeah. as there is a shadow of doubt in Tomlin's gut, in Tomlin's gut, I see that Trubisky do this, and Trubisky can lead this team to the playoffs. He'll put Pickett in without hesitation. Whether it's I feel against that. Cincinnati, whether it's against maybe it won't be against Cincinnati. Week I don't one, think or whether it's against whether it's against the Jets, whether it's against whoever they play Week Five. At any point in time, if Trubisky robs himself of Tomlin's confidence. I think you put Kenny Pickett in. Honestly, you know what? I I feel like maybe you wait till week three. You know, like you've seen all the stats about like Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. Like I I, I kind of like I would I would kind of want to avoid that for Kenny Pickett. Like because Belichick coach defenses like, um, against rookie quarterbacks are off the charts. Um. So. I mean, like, I think if you don't start him against the Bengals, at least give him like that kind of a game. I don't think you. I don't think his first start should be against the Patriots. That's that's the one thing I would say. Other than that, <laughs> put him in whatever. Either way, I think in the first six weeks after the first six weeks, you're he's not. Yeah, by the absolute latest week. I think by the, I think week four at the latest. Honestly, I think if he's not yep. a starter by the Jets game, then Trubisky must be doing must be like at least two and one, three, he's three. Doing something right. He's, he's doing something right. right. If he's something if he's still right, starting against the Jets. Harris from a fantasy perspective. <laughs> I swear if Mitchell Trubisky happens to be winning with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Najee Harris is not getting his receptions, I'm going to be upset. 
that makes sense. That's valid. That's valid. Um, all right. So how about we uh, how about we move on a little bit? Um, Josh Palmer rumored to have an expanded role. Fire or smoke? I'm calling smoke simply from the perspective of he. In my eyes, he's insurance. You know, in my eyes, yeah. there's no difference between him, Isaiah Spiller, Benny Snell, you know, <laughs> anybody, just Alexander Madison, anybody who's just going to serve as like a backup option if your main guy gets hurt. I think that's what Josh Palmer falls into the category of. And more specifically, I think he falls into the category of if Keenan Allen might dub get hurt. You know, Mike Williams is very, very injury prone as he's proven over the course of his fantasy or over the course of his NFL career and fantasy career. And I really don't think that, you know, that's the most reliable option to be there. I think your best target for thinking that Josh Palmer is going to deliver you fantasy value is going to be if either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams goes down. And for me, that's not too much upside for me to be happy about. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to go smoke on that too. Honestly, you might be even more um, forgiving than I am. I think you need like at least like two guys to go down because like even let's say Mike Williams gets hurt. Um, he's still third option at best because they also have Gerald Everett too, who's like not, not, not a bad option either. Um, so I still think he's like third option at best. Like maybe it'll get you a deep touchdown or deep catch or whatever, but like he needs anymore. Do they? That's a good question, actually. I haven't heard his name at all. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, let me see. He's a free agent. Yeah, no, they don't have him anymore. Um, yeah. So it's just, a, it's just Gerald Everett there. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I hadn't heard anything about Coke, but what's up? Gerald Everett's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's fine. He's fine. He's yeah. fine. But like, even still, that's better. That's more than like you could say for Josh Palmer. I agree. Like, if Keenan Allen goes down, Gerald Everett probably and Austin Eckler kind of both will probably get more of the boost than Josh Palmer. If Mike Williams goes down, maybe he'll like he'll take over some of those like deep threats for sure. Like that's probably his best bet to production. But like even still, he's like a wide receiver three at best. Yeah. Like he would need like he would need like both like Eckler like and another option. Like it's uh, his path to targets is super murky. Um, I get, I get yep. it's a great offense, but um, overall, like he he needs a lot. He would need a lot of help to really see like consistent production. I think. Um, I think it's one of those like I think it's one of those trap doors where like you think you got a sleeper, but really it's just it's not even worth it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I'm thinking smoke on that front, and but granted, with that smoke on Josh Palmer, call fire on any other Chargers <laughs> weapon. Literally any other Chargers weapon call fire on, in my opinion. Maybe barring Joe Everett. I just found out about him. Mike Williams? Oh, Mike Williams, fire, for sure. Call fire on him at, AD, at ADP. No doubt. Interesting. No doubt. I mean, he had the he has the upside for sure, but like he doesn't have the consistency that you kind in of want. In the fifth want. or sixth round, are you drafting for a floor? Or are you drafting for upside? I Like, he... You're drafting he, like, for he, top five upside, ideally. Yeah, but like high. that top, like top five upside, doesn't mean like one week with like thirty points and the next week with like four. No, I understand that he's a boomer bust candidate for sure, and I think there are definitely candidates around that range. You know, I maybe put you know Allen Robinson. I put Brandon Cooks, even Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore as having Brandon Cooks. 
as having oh, higher as having higher floors than Mike Williams. Nevertheless, do any of them have the upside that Mike Williams does? No. Mike Williams was the number two receiver behind only Cooper Cup through the first five weeks of the NFL season last year. That wasn't too long ago. Yes, he dipped off too. I have a feeling injuries had a part in him dipping off, and I think he played through injury, which hurt his fantasy production. But nevertheless, I think you gave him a full offseason to get healthy. Yes, he has the possibility of getting hurt. He has many injuries in the past. But I, I'm personally high on Mike Williams. I think if you give me Mike Williams in the fifth or sixth round, I'll happily take him. Like that's like a that's like a good value for him. Like it's good that you kind of know what you're getting into. Um, for, like he's a strong like wide receiver too, or flex play because like he could have those week winning weeks for you. Um, but he's also the kind of guy that like especially if you're in like a one week playoff, like one bad game can kind of burn you. Um, yeah. like I, I, I was better. Concerned. But how about how about this then? How about follow the money? The Chargers signed him to a three years, sixty yeah. million dollar deal, right? They wouldn't do that if they weren't thinking about targeting his ass a significant amount, right? Oh no, like um, he's gonna get his targets for sure. But like, Keenan Allen's gonna get like a ton of targets. Austin Eckler's gonna eat into that as well. Gerald Everett in the red zone a little bit. Most potent offense in the league, most possible. You got, I mean, I don't know about the most, but like it's definitely up there. Even still, you kind of name, name me an offense off the top of your head that you think could be more prolific than the Chargers on paper, uh, without it, barring injury, of course. Uh, barring injury, definitely Tampa. Rams kind of have shown it before. Well, Tampa's um, already faced the injuries. Right? Buffalo for sure. Yeah, I mean. Even still, dude, it's you got Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Leonard Fournette. Um, honestly, that's that's another. Uh, I think that's, I think that's another good uh, smoke or fire um, situation. Actually, um, Julio Jones, you're hearing some good things um, coming out of camp from him about him. Godwin's still kind of coming off that ACL tear, which can probably impact his uh, his performance this season. Um, Jones is. A lot of people view him as washed up. Struggled in Tennessee last year, but now he's with Tom Brady. What's what's your where are you going on Julio Jones? I don't think he's washed up entirely. I mean, yes, he's thirty three years old. He's obviously not in his prime anymore. No wide receiver at the age of thirty three is. But I'm not sure how old Randy Moss was when he went back to when he went to New England in two thousand eight, I believe, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, when they went on to win to go to the Super Bowl and then, you know, eventually lose to Tom or lose to Eli Manning at a point in time. But uh, I really think yes, that, sir. No, I really think that they together, Tom Brady and Julio Jones can combine to be a Randy Moss-esque figure. I think the only difference is that Mike Evans is still there, Leonard Fournette's still there. Randy Moss was the only option for Tom Brady to really throw to at the time when Randy Moss came into the mix. So Tom Brady was just kind of tossing the ball whenever. Now you have a receiver who for seven straight years has put up a thousand yards on the season and you have a very prolific running back in Leonard Fournette. I don't think he's reaching any sort of any sort of Randy Moss upside. I think his upside is to be maybe half of what Chris Godwin was. 
Yeah, you had me scared there for a second. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, I thought you were like comparing him straight up to Randy Moss for a second. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's like a pool. That's like a massive reach. Way different than you're you're bringing the Trey Lance Patrick Mahomes comparison into the mix. No, that's not a compare. That was more of a. Uh, it does more of just like a hypothetical. Like a lot of this, like it looks like the stars are lining up again. Um, still, still need a lot to go right in that situation. I think for Julio. Um, worth a flyer, sure. Like his his path to targets is really weird, though. Weird. It's like it's really it's a really weird. Like the only Bucks receiver that I'm like very high on right now is Mike Evans. Outside yeah. of that, Godwin's Godwin's still coming back from injury. Like he'll probably be dealing with stuff throughout the year too. He's um, his performance could be and return to form. He's not going to return. He'll need another year. Like. Tore his ACL at the end of last season. At the season. end of the he's season, yeah. Back to form this year. Yeah. Like he, if he'll he does, play. He's back to form during the playoffs, which yeah. can make a difference for you. But early on in the season is not the reason why you're drafting Chris Godwin. I agree with that, yeah. I like I'm I'm not I'm trying to I'm like I'm fading Godwin a little bit right now. Um yeah. no, I and then that third well, and that then like No, go for it. Um. Yeah. Like that third spot. Like, is it Russell Gage? Is it Julio? Like Scotty Miller's. Is he, I think he's still there. Um. Like it's just it's a weird weird receiver like rotation right now. Um. Yeah. And at no point even was Antonio Brown as good as that man is. At no point in my eyes was he a league winning receiver. Yes, he had two three good weeks of maybe fifteen sixteen fantasy points on on the game. Uh, that's not league winning. That's wide receiver two right there. You know, wide receiver two, fringe wide receiver one for that week alone. You know, that's not a wide receiver one status. That's not even a wide receiver two status. It's borderline flex if you want to play him and, you know, take your chances with him in a given week. But I think he is one of the most volatile options on that offense where he could really truly give you zero points on a given week, and another week he'll give you 20. You just don't know. It's all about what Tom Brady wants in a given week, and I'm not taking my odds with that, at least early. No, you got that mixed up, man. Antonio Brown with the Bucks was great. What do you mean, dude? Like, he was putting up some, like, he was putting up, like, a bunch of, like, he would have some weeks where he's, like, eight or nine or something, but then he had others where it was, like, 25. Like, Antonio Brown with Tom Brady was really also completely situated. Tom Brady? No. What? I mean, like, maybe not, like, league. Maybe with Tom Brady. Was it? He was never a league-winning receiver with Tom Brady. Like, maybe not, like, league winner, but, like, he was definitely, like, a strong wide receiver, too, at worst with Tom Brady. But at the end of a draft, why are you drafting somebody? You're not drafting somebody to be, like, well, a mid-wide receiver, too. You're drafting that No, Damian maybe it was a high-wide receiver, too. You're drafting that Damian, you're drafting that Damian Pierce, <laughs> that Brandon Ayuk, that. Trey Lance, that late round candidate that you truly view has RB1, wide receiver one, QB1, tight end one, upside. You're not yeah. drafting at that point just to be like, oh, I'll have somebody who could put up some numbers on my lineup. No, that, that's not the point for me. Fair enough. Um, but also, like, to go back to that AB thing, like, it's a completely different situation with Julio. Um, I like. The knock on AB was never like his on-field performance is always his off-field antics. 
um, that'd get him in trouble. And like everyone knew, like I mean, like even if you didn't like know it, know it, and like you were still holding out hope that he would like keep keep it together, you still kind of figured like when's like when's the whole bubble gonna burst? He's gonna like pull some st- stupid thing and just completely shoot some in the foot, which happened. Yeah, the knock on Julio is that like he's aging, he's injury prone, um, and also like he, Antonio Brown didn't have like a Russell Gate like. Ru- from my understanding, the Bucks are like pretty high on like Tom Brady really likes Russell Gage. Um, if you're gonna say the Bucks didn't have a Russell Gage, they no, they didn't. They had a Chris Godwin. So no, 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 they still have way. Godwin. Though. That's the difference. That's the difference is they still have Godwin too. Like I'm talking purely as from what do you have an injury Godwin yet? That's what makes the situation even weirder though, because like how is Godwin still? Is he still the wide receiver too? Like is he gonna play? Like. If he if Godwin's if Godwin's off the when if Godwin's like off the field or whatever, and you get you can guarantee that like Julio's gonna get snaps. I'll take the flyer on Julio, sure. Like strong veteran presence, he has the talent. Um But like other other than that, like I feel like there's like better upside options kinda like where he's going. Um like in that similar like they're very well, maybe. That have a more clear path to success. No, that's fair. And I'll, I'll concede on that point. It's just a question mark surrounding the entire world about Julio Jones. I'm personally probably not going to touch him if somebody wants to take a flyer on him and he does yeah. turn out to have some crazy value. Good on you. You, you thought better than I did. But I, I personally think it, it's smoke for me on that front. And with that being said, I think that – uh for the most part, concludes and wraps up our fire smoke session, right? Pretty much, yeah. I guess uh, I think we got through most of the guys we want to we want to get to. Um, I think we can also talk about Damian Pierce too, but I think he's like a fire drill at this point. He's a fire drill. Yeah. If anybody's um, wondering, draft Damian Pierce. Blame yeah, me. just draft. Like I'm taking him. Like I would take him as high as the six. Um, yeah. Oh. Even even no, the fifth. We'll, we'll have a conversation about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, we'll, have, we'll have another different conversation about that. Um, that being great fire and smoke session. We'll definitely catch yep. you guys on the next one. Maybe a Devontae Tyreek comparison. Maybe, um, you know, maybe we get into one of these backfield committees a little bit deeper. Uh, we'll we'll decide and get back to you guys with another podcast. So, yep, I'm excited for the uh, next one. Pranay, great talking with you. 100. Let's do Bye. it.